listening to Inspire On The Go. It's your weekly dose of fun, encouragement, real-life conversations, and all things women's ministry, regularly featuring segments from Andrea's radio show, Truth On The Go. If you find yourself on the go, then this is the podcast for you. Now, welcome your host, Andrea Lennon, as we talk about all the great truths that we can take with us as we go through our day. Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea here. I hope that your day is off to a great start. I'm so excited as we come to today and as we think about our topic for the day, how we can have peace in the midst of the storm. In this world, we will have trouble, but Jesus said, take heart because he has overcome. And so today, as you think about your day and as you face your day, if you have obstacles, if you have trouble, if you have trial, if you have pain, if you have grief, if you have loss, I want you to know that today is a day when you will be encouraged and you you can experience the peace of God right in the midst of that storm. And I have a special friend with me today. Oh my goodness, how I love this lady, Cheryl Mulberry. And you know, Cheryl is a spiritual giant in my life. We all have those ladies who we look up to and you know, not just because of what they've been through, but because of who they are. And Cheryl, I want you to know that as we begin our time together, that you have faithfully over the years demonstrated incredible faith, incredible faith in the midst of overwhelming situations and circumstances. And we're going to get to your story, but first I want us to lay the foundation as you tell us a little bit about your background and how you grew up and just a little bit about your your story. Sure. Um, I was born in Denver, Colorado. I was brought up in a Christian home. Both my parents were believers. Went to church regularly, went to a Christian school, and so I just had the Word of God just poured into me. I accepted Christ um, at the age of five, I went forward um, because there was one of those hellfire and brimstone services and I did not want to go to hell. So I went forward and as far as I could understand it, you know, I wanted Christ to be in my life. But then when I was 16, really when I was, I think ninth grade, we had a new youth minister come to our church in Denver and um, he really was instrumental in really growing my faith and deepening my walk with the Lord. So our youth group would go to a lot of youth conferences. And um, so at one of these conferences, the pastor talked about it's one thing to accept Christ as your Savior, but also to accept him as your Lord. And that was a turning point in my life. That was a, a pivotal point because I was battling with my mom, it felt like. And at that point, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to get off the throne of my life and let God be God. Absolutely. And you know, I think we can all probably relate to that portion of your story because we all have those moments where we go, okay, Lord, I want to give you control. You know, I want to give you the decision-making reins in my life. I want to be the follower as you lead the way. And little did you know how that was going to set the foundation for the journey that he had for you. So let's fast forward and talk about meeting Larry and then um, your family. So um, I met my violin teacher's brother and um, being my violin teacher, we were over there every week. So I met her brother Larry and um, eventually we started dating and then um, I went off to college he, he joined the military but we kept contact and you know everything and um, we got married in the summer of 1997 we lived in Florida for a while then he went active duty and we moved to Louisiana we had our three children uh, Bobby Lynn our daughter then Keith then Jake they were all born in Louisiana um, then we moved to Texas and we homeschooled them in Texas. And then we moved here to Arkansas in 2002. So 
you moved to Conway. You settled in uh, to life in Conway, uh, joined Second Baptist Church, which is where I also go to church. And that's where I had the opportunity to meet you. And the boys and Bobby just, they flourished. You know, they did really well. Uh, of course, ups and downs along the way. But, you know, happy family, happy life, you know, is how I would describe that as from the outside looking in. And then there came, you know, a fateful day uh, that changed really the course and the direction of your life. So tell us about the events leading up to that day and then uh, what happened after after that day. So um, in 2011, my daughter Bobby Lynn had been struggling uh, with her faith and decisions that she was making and just we really saw her on a self-destructive path um, as far as socially and who she was choosing as friends and and just the you know choices she was making and it just it broke our hearts but um we had to ask her to leave our home um early that year in in february or in january of 2011 and it's the hardest thing that we've ever had to do uh, as as parents um just heart-wrenching so at that time my son keith was a freshman at uca jake was a junior at conway high and um they were both very active in our church, just well loved by by the youth department. I mean, by everybody. They were just those kids that everybody just tends to magnetize to and hang out with. Um, so they had gone uh, camping. It was spring break, and they decided to go camping with their friends. And they uh, went, and we got a call Tuesday night from our neighbor whose um, son was with them. He's their best friend. He was with them. And um, they said, we... Um, we're going to come by and so they came by our house and they informed us that their son had just got off the phone with them and they said the boys had been in an accident and that jake had died in his arms which you just can't believe that you think no that's that's not right that's not doesn't make sense and so um we got in our car we raced out there the helicopter was there ambulances were there and then the whole time my heart is just out of my chest like I can't this can't be right the whole time you're just I'm just shaking my head thinking this is this isn't true this isn't right she's got her facts wrong and they wouldn't let us up close and they they did confirm that my son Jacob the youngest was he was gone and that Keith was being airlifted to UAMS so um, part of my heart was like you don't believe it. But then the other part is Keith is still alive, so I still have hope. Um, the other two kids that were with them walked away, mm-hmm. so praise God for that. So we went to UAMS, and um, immediately the doctor started uh, prepping us for the fact that Keith most likely was not going to make it. It was, But we just had this faith like, no, God can do anything, and he can heal him. And, and you know, I think God just gave me one pill at a time to swallow because I needed that 24 hours to to process which you need a lot more than that but just initially it was very very heart-wrenching so anyway we you know pray with Keith and we just thought God could heal him and you know he's going to come out of it surely God won't take both my boys and um, as it turned out um, by the next day uh, they did confirm there was no activity. He was gone already, but they had kept him oxygenated and, and everything going. Um, anyway, so that was, um, that was awful. I mean, that was, 
just horrendous to go through. Yeah, and you know, I remember the day, of course, uh, when it happened. You know, I was with my two boys in Branson because it was spring break, and my husband Jay was overseas on a mission trip. And I'm telling you, it was shocking. It was unbelievable, the thought of these two vibrant boys who were so full of life, Cheryl. I mean, if there was something going on, they were there. They were not only there, they were leading the charge, and they were bringing other people with them. And just to think about, you know, the way that life is so unpredictable and so unknown. And I don't, I know that it will be impossible for you to remember all of the details of that day. Uh, But as a church family, we were praying and walking with you through that process. And I was texting with you uh, throughout that 24 hours of, you know, when Keith was in the hospital and your faith constantly was so strong. And, you know, it's, there's a helpless feeling, I think, for, um, you know, a friend and for a loved one, whenever you literally want to just, number one, you just want to some way make that not real you know you just some way you just want to change it and then also you just want to wrap your arms around that person and just say I'll never let go and I had all of those feelings as I um, watched from a distance you walk through this uh, incredible experience in your life and so when we come back we're going to talk about the peace that comes in the midst of the storm and how hope is ultimately found in Jesus Christ in just a moment Andrea will return with a final thought If you would like to hear more of her teachings, visit andrealennonministry.org. It is the ultimate website for the girl on the go with Bible studies, video sessions, podcasts, books, and down-to-earth blogs straight from Andrea's heart. Be sure and subscribe so that you can stay connected. Again, that's andrealennon.org. Now, let's hear a final truth from Andrea. We're back with my good friend, Cheryl Mulberry, and we're talking about how we can have peace in the midst of the storm. And Cheryl, you just shared an incredible story with us about the loss of your boys, as well as just the ups and the downs of life with Bobby. And, you know, we just are trying to get our minds around it even now as we walk back through that season of your life that was full of turmoil and pain and heartache and difficulty and grief and probably a sense of, Lord, is this really happening? You know, and so tell us just a little bit about what it's like to walk through a difficult season. Just give us a bird's eye view into the heart and the life of a mom who's walking through times of difficulty. Well, I do want to start with when we were in that room waiting for them to give us the news on whether or not Keith was uh, clinically alive or not, um, I was just begging God to spare his life. I mean, I was just on my knees and there were our pastor and his wife were in the room. Larry was in the room. My daughter was in the room. Um, my son's girlfriend's mom was in the room. And um, I was just begging, begging God. And um, I was really oblivious to everybody else. But all of a sudden, in the midst of that, um, God just gave me peace. It just overshadowed me. It, over, it was overwhelming. And um, I just got this peace and my tears were just wiped away because I had been crying and crying and God just stopped those tears like a faucet and all of a sudden I just got this overwhelming peace I saw Keith it was all white around him and um I saw him standing in his jeans and black t-shirt which he always wore and he was playing his guitar 
I mean, this came from God, and I just thought, okay, it's going to be okay. I couldn't, I couldn't cry anymore. I, um, I had this overwhelming peace, and I just thought, it's going to be okay. So in my mind, I just thought, okay, either A, he's going to play his guitar again, or he's already playing his guitar in heaven. So I just got up from my knees, and I just said, it's going to be okay. It's okay. I just kept saying that. And, um, and then the doctors came in and, and let us know that, you know, his, his brain was, was not uh, active at all, and he was, he was um, gone for sure. And I went into that room. There was a lot of um, people from our church, people from the Conway School Orchestra where, where Keith played, and um, they were all there. And I, we came in and told them the news. And I, I said, you know, but it's okay. He's, he's in heaven, and he's fine. He's completely whole. And so, um, so walking away from that, of course, you're exhausted. So what I learned through the whole grief process is, of course, you, you can Google any grief source, and they'll have the different stages of grief. And I can't name them all. I know it's denial. First, you can't believe it. And then you accept it. But then you, you might be mad about it. And so for me, as a woman of faith, I walked away knowing at peace in my heart that it was okay I will see him again. And what I had to focus on was, if you think of eternity and how long eternity is compared to how short this life is, it's incomparable. Our life really is a breath. It's very short. And so eternity is so much longer. And so that's where I kind of got the mind of, I need to live with eternity in mind. So um, I had to hang on to the eternity and the hope that we have of seeing everybody again. So at first, I, you know, I just like, okay, well, I'll see them again. This life isn't very long. Um, I did go to counseling and figure out, you know, I'm exhausted all the time because I'm kind of a workaholic. I like to be out in the, in the middle of any activity and, and leading the way and, and helping in whatever way I can, but I didn't have the strength to do it. And so that was a learning process for me personally to say, Cheryl, you can't. You just need to get your strength back. And it took me two years, really, to, to be able to get enough strength back to, to get back on the team Poland. So God just taught me to keep the hope of the eternity in mind. I will see them again. We will have eternity together, which is way longer than this life. So I had to keep focusing on that. God showed me that that's the way it is for everybody in the world. Like this life is so short and eternity is so long that there are people that are going to spend their eternity separated from God. And so God taught me just to look at people in light of eternity, not just my own situation, but other people. That's so profound because, you know, every person has a soul. Every person is really going to be divided into one of two categories you know when it comes to the end of our time here on this earth either they will go to heaven to be with christ or they will be separated from christ for all of eternity paying that sin penalty paying that sin debt and so it's it's very simplifying in that regard you know and so using and utilizing that pain from the loss of your sons to fuel your eternal focus is how we are able to have peace in the midst of the storm because it gives us focus it gives us intentionality and it gives us purpose. You know, and one thing I always say to ladies and I've experienced it in my life and I know Cheryl, you've experienced it in your life. And that is that God brings purpose to the pain and he brings meaning out of the mess. You know, we can trust him to have good 
pleasing and perfect plans, even though they are very difficult sometimes in the midst of our fallen world. And so I want us to talk about how God has redeemed, you know, the loss of your boys, because I've seen spiritual fruit come out of their stories that has provided a lasting legacy of peace and hope and faith that is, you know, a tribute to the way they lived their lives because they loved Jesus. They served Jesus. They were on fire for Jesus. My two boys, um, each of them, Cheryl, they each have a memento from your boys' rooms in their rooms, you know, and so every time that they see that kite or they see that small little model airplane, it is a reminder of how Keith and Jake lived and it spurs my boys along. And so this is so personal for us because it's real life. And for you, as you listen today, I know this is personal for you as well, because this is real life. You bring your grief, you bring your pain, you bring your obstacles, you bring your trials to the table. And I hope that you hear the heart of the message that Cheryl is sharing with you. And that is eternity is long, life is short, and we need to ask God to help us to see our life in the light of eternity and to have hope that comes from the fact that there will be a day when all of the tears are wiped away, uh, where there will be no more struggle, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more grief. The old order of life will have passed away and behold, a new day will be here and we'll be with our loved ones worshiping around the throne in spirit and truth and that fuels us. And so Cheryl, that is a message of peace. That is a message of hope. And it's so inspiring to me to know that in the midst of that overwhelming moment in the hospital room, that what God spoke to you, the vision he gave to you, it had been a consistent building message throughout your life. The scriptures that you learned as a child, the time that pastors poured into you, it all came back to you in that moment. And so, you know, I think it's an encouragement for you. It's an encouragement for me. It's, it's an encouragement for everyone to build God's word into your life, build his eternal focus into our daily lives, because there'll be a day when trouble will find all of us. It's just a matter of time. And if in that moment we can, through the work of the Holy Spirit, go to that eternal perspective, we'll experience that same peace, even in the midst of the most overwhelming situations and circumstances. Cheryl, I know that this season of your life really impacted every aspect of your life, even how you viewed yourself. So tell us about that. Tell us about how this situation and circumstance impacted your identity in Christ. So one thing I noticed um, right away was, you know, as a mom, I was a full-time mom at the time. um, I identified myself with I was Keith and Jake's mom. I mean, you know how little kids, when you walk into a nursery, oh, that's so-and-so's mommy. But I myself thought of myself as I am the mom of Keith and Jake, and I was. And so I think as as women, we identify ourselves with our job or maybe a skill that we have, whether it's, you know, when you're in high school, well, he's our star basketball player or she's our star volleyball player. So we kind of identify ourselves with our circumstance or something like that. But what God had taught me was my identity was really with Keith and Jake so much so that when they were gone, I didn't almost know who I was and what I was here for. So I kind of struggled with, well, what's my job now? Why am I here? Why is God keeping me here if I am not to parent these two sons? But I, I look at high schoolers. I started after this incident. I had previously, I had always in the church, I had always taught preschoolers. And after this event, I started teaching in the high school department. What I noticed is even, even in junior high, in high school, you know, we 
identify ourselves with who we are in school or what do other people think of us or our social status or whatever, but all of those things crumble. You can lose a skill due to an injury. You can lose your ability to do something or you can, you can lose something that you're identified with. And so God really taught me that I am his first of all, and I have value because he values me. And so I think it's just an attack of the enemy when we think of ourselves as anything less than loved and and precious because of what we may or may not be able to do or because of what somebody else says or so god really taught me the importance of my identity in him that is just huge and i i want people to to hear that um because we are more than there's a song about it but you know we're more than the choices we've made we're more than that because those can be good or bad and we don't always do the right thing and so even if you've failed and you've done something wrong life isn't over because god loves you and you're still alive and there's always hope as long as you're alive and whether your whole you know career is lost or you know your family is lost life isn't over it keeps going on and um you're valued. We're valued. I think about, you know, the little song that I sang and maybe you sang to your kids when your boys were little and Bobby Lynn too was, you know, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And when the rains came down, the house built on the rock stood strong, you know, and that's our identity in Christ. Because here's what I hear you saying, Cheryl, is every single relationship, every single role, every single responsibility, it can be impacted. It can be impacted by life. It can be impacted by our choices. It can be impacted by, you know, a a list of things. But Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And when we find our identity first and foremost in him, we have a solid foundation to build our life upon because we know that we know that we know that he has us, that he is with us, that he is for us, and that when we leave this world, we're going to our eternal home. And so be sure and join us next week as Cheryl continues her story and as she continues to tell us about some additional struggles and strains that are going on in her life even today and how she's meeting those difficulties with the hope of God and with the power of God to save no matter what. This episode of Inspire on the Go is over, but we hope you'll be back next Monday for the latest episode. In the meantime, you can visit absc.org forward slash inspire podcast to find more episodes and ways to connect with Andrea. Also, if you're in Central Arkansas, you can find Andrea's radio show Truth on the Go at 93.3 The Fish and 99.5 Faith Talk Radio on Sunday mornings.